Hello and welcome to episode 36 of Command Space. My name is Mike Hurley and I am joined today by Mr. Jason Snell. Hello, sir. How are you? Hello. It's good to be back. I now think you are officially the most returning guest for Command <laughs> Space. You have, this is your third appearance on the show. Wow. Which now, who's count? I know. So you've got a pretty good percentage going on. Three out of 36. Yeah, that's not bad. I don't know what that percentage is. When do I become the co-host? Um, next week. It's not quite ten percent. I think I have to break ten percent. Okay, we'll work on that. Co-host. We'll work Just on that. Have me on one more time in the next five episodes, and I'm there. So we arranged this in very short notice because I had to talk to you about what you released on Monday this week. On April first. On, on April first. What? Could be, you know, should be an April Fool, but was actually an April Wonder. <laughs> so you are a host of uh, The Incomparable on the Mighty 5x5 network. Yes. Of which this show will soon be a part. Um, and uh, for April Fools every year, you, you've kind of established yourself a little tradition now where you do something different. Is that right, right. to say? I think that's the exact, that's the best way to put it is, um, is trying to do something different, um, something not not in the, necessarily in the here's a news story that isn't real or a product announcement that isn't real, but trying to do something creative that is out of out of step in some way with the usual format. So we've we've done that um, you know the last couple of years with the incomparable. Um, and before I did the incomparable, I had a, a side project website called TV. Um, that was a TV blog, and every April first, we did a fake website. We did a parody website of some other website, and uh, you know, both both projects, the TV projects and the incomparable projects, end up being a lot of extra work, um, a lot of extra labor. But it's kind of fun to go off and do something weird and different, um, and stretch some muscles that maybe don't get stretched the rest of the year. So that this was the the incomparable radio theater of the air was the latest in a in a series of these kind of projects that I've been doing since I want to say two thousand ish. It might have even been earlier than that, but it's been a while. So last year's was the game show, right? Right. Last year on the incomparable, we did a game show episode, and it was actually two game show episodes. Um, so we did a we did a. Uh, a game show where I was the host and we had three people on uh, from the panel on uh, one team and three on on another team. And then we had a bunch of ridiculous rounds and it was just, it was a lot of fun. I want to do another one at some point, but it was just very different from our usual format. And then we actually recorded a second episode that was the parallel universe edition. Cause we had so many people who wanted to be on it. And that was Lex Friedman hosted that. And um, he ran his own kind of series of questions uh, with these other people. And then their answers were, then questions on the main episode where where we tuned in the Parallel Universe podcast and found out it was sort of like a, the, in the, a game like the Newlywed game where, you know, can you guess what this person answered to this question yes. and and then put that all in there, too. So that was fun. We ended up with the, that. That was that was a lot less work than this year's, but it was it was still work and it was fun to go. It's fun to go off the usual format every now and then. It's just it's a blast to be able to do that. But you mentioned that it's the in, what you created this year was the incomparable radio theater of the air. Now, this, you know, basically what you what you did was you tricked us into thinking that it was going to be about radio dramas and audio plays, right? So that's how the episode starts, and then it tunes out, and then starts a series of of separate radio dramas that we'll talk about in a minute. But I have to say, sort of on the top, that this is easily, I think, the most ambitious 
and heavily produced <laughs> podcast I think I've ever heard. <laughs> Ambition can also be stupidity. Not in this <laughs> you don't case. You realize quite what you bit off when you when you thought yes. to do it. For, I mean, um, it came out very well, but I can only imagine on your side, and we'll probably <laughs> talk about that in a little bit, that this seemed like it was going to probably be a lot more fun than it ended up being. <laughs> it was a huge amount of fun. It, it, it was more fun than than I thought it would be, actually. It was more fun. It was also more work, but um, but it was a, a gigantic amount of fun. Um, so, so, yeah, but it was, it was a lot of work, and yeah. it was I – think, I think we didn't realize um, – well, what happens is you have an idea, and you think it's a clever idea, and the ball starts rolling, and it ends up maybe being more ambitious than you thought it would be, mm-hmm. or you start getting into it and think, well – you know, I could stop here, but we, really we should go all the way and we should do this and this and this. And then the, the ambition kind of grows and you end up with this kind of insane thing that is not what you necessarily thought it was going to be at the beginning. So but that's part of the fun. I guess a, a bunch of our listeners will definitely have heard this. And, um, and I would suggest that everybody listens to this because we're going to be talking on this episode about what went into creating this episode of your show. Right. Um, so you can go to 5x5.tv slash incomparable slash 133. Exactly. It's episode 133 of The Incomparable. And uh, you can listen to it there. It's 47 minutes long. I wish it It's a lot of minutes. It's, it seems like not a lot. When, it's a lot. <laughs> So what you did was you, you created a, a show which was very much like radio theatre and radio dramas of old, and there's, there's little clips of, of radio dramas that you've, you've created. Where did this idea come from? So uh, late last year, I sent an email. I just had this, I had this moment where for, uh, for the last year and a half, We've been talking on the on the little mailing list that we have for the incomparable panelists about doing uh, old time radio something or other, um, and it just hasn't come off. Uh, Serenity Caldwell uh, did drama in college, and you know I think she did a, as like her thesis. She did a radio drama. Uh, you know, so she was really into it, and Dan Warren was really into it. We had a bunch of people who who love those things. Who turned out, um, you know, we even though we're all. Every one of us is too young to have heard anything like this. We've all had – like for me, my mom bought me this cassette tape pack that was like 12 cassettes of old-time radio shows that I listened to. And the local radio station broadcast old-time radio dramas on Sunday nights and I used to listen to that. And turns out there are a bunch of people who who discovered this medium long after it was dead and thought it was pretty cool, that this you know theater of the mind. And then more recently I've listened to um, – Full cast audio plays, not not audio books where it's just a book on tape, but but um, full cast audio plays. Like uh, my best example is there's a company in the UK called Big Finish that does Doctor Who audio plays with the old uh, Doctor Who actors, and uh, those are great because it's music and sound effects, and they're all original stories, and it's full cast. It's not one person reading the story. It's a production. It's a theater production without without the visuals. It's just audio, and so I, we we love that. All of us love that, and. Um, and it never came off because we just sort of never got it together. It was so much work just to write a script. What would the script be? And I realized there's a guy named David J. Lore who is uh, a fan of The Incomparable. He's on Twitter talking to us all the time. He's a fan of Macworld too. Um, and so he's in, he's always interacting with us on Twitter. And I've, I've had some email exchanges with him. He's a really nice guy and he's a playwright. He's a professional playwright. He lives in Indiana. 
he, he you know he he does this he he's you know he's not just an amateur guy out there on the internet he's a he's a he's a professional and i said hey professional guy i'd like to talk to you about something that would you would have to do for free out of love which is would you be interested in collaborating with us on a radio play an audio play and he really got into the idea of having it be about old time radio that we we would try to hit a bunch of different genres also make a lot of jokes and make a lot of references to the incomparable and make a lot of references to science fiction and stuff like that and uh we had a thread like two or three months ago where we all kind of threw in crazy ideas that were just sort of like things you would like to see if we did this and then david went away and we didn't hear from him for 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 months and about three weeks before uh, April 1st, I sent him an email saying, so what do you think about this? And like the next day, he sent me the first 25, 30 pages of a script. And uh, and then, you know, four or five days later, he sent the rest of the script. So so David, who we'd never worked with before, but who we'd interacted with and, and was a fan on Twitter, basically, um, became our writer. And he wrote the whole thing. And it, every word in that radio drama, other than like my intro and my conclusion, is David. So that that was how it started. And then once we had the script, I mean, we were off because then we had to cast the parts and Serenity volunteered to direct it since she'd done some direction uh, in college. And that's great because she, she has an understanding of the nuance of line readings that I do not have. And I just volunteered to basically produce it and edit it. So that's how it came together. And it wouldn't have come together without having uh, a great writer like David who was able to put in the time and do such a, a, a great job. And he knows our podcast so well that he knew sort of like who would play the parts and what the jokes could be. And, uh, and it was just he did an amazing job. So that, that's, the, that's the only reason it happened really is that David Lohr – thought it was a good idea and was up for, for kind of playing in our, in our world. And, uh, and he gave us a really fun script. How did you decide who got each part? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, te- the technical way is that I made, a, I made a spreadsheet and I wrote down, I went through the script and I, wrote, I broke down every part. Um, and I, I read the script and thought about who would be good for those parts. And I didn't get them all right. We actually re-recorded a few of the parts because they right. just didn't work with the people who were doing them. It's no fault of them. You know, they're, they're people who did great parts in some plays and then in the other plays, they, it just didn't work. And, you know, they didn't do the right funny accent or it just whatever reason. But mostly, you know, knowing these people and knowing their voices and knowing their personalities, I tried to match them. So like I knew Andy and Nodco needed to be an announcer because Andy does, I you know, he does an amazing old timey yes. announcer radio voice, right? So he's the first voice you hear once the t- channel tunes to the to the the fictional stuff is Andy doing yeah, his his that radio voice, voice. It sets it then you know what you're yeah. getting you know exactly what's happening at that yeah. point. Yeah, super exciting uh, radio voice. So I, I did some of that. Some of it was gag stuff. Like I, I, John Syracuse kind of <laughs> recused himself from being in it. He was like, I'm not an actor. I, nobody wants to hear my voice. I was like, well, I would like you in it. So I put. I, I found a couple of parts that I thought would be kind of fun for him. I cast a, one commercial as being yeah, a husband and that. wife <laughs> with a husband and wife. I cast another commercial with a, with a husband and wife as all men. So it's like our Monty Python uh, <laughs> commercial. Uh, you know, it was it was a, a challenge. One thing that that I really learned out of this is that um, is that we don't have enough women panelists. We really have Lisa and Serenity, and we need to get more women on the show because it becomes a running gag essentially that Serenity is the female lead in every single one of them. 
with different accents and different voices. Um, but, uh, you know, so I took my best shot in the spreadsheet really and tried to even it out. So everybody got something to do and that, you know, we could have some cameos from some people who are on the show sometimes, but not that often. And, uh, you know, by, by and large it worked out, but it was, it was weird for me. I've, I've never been a, you know, casting person before. And in fact, I didn't notice that David had cast some people, um, himself in the script mm. until I had um, already cast them. And I, I turns out I cast exactly the right people, which is great because oh, that means great. that he was thinking of it and I was thinking of it and we didn't compare notes because in the script, he makes references to Dan something or other and Glenn something or other. And those are the parts that Dan Morin and Glenn Fleischman are playing. So that was actually, I cast them without noting, knowing that I didn't notice. <laughs> so it, it worked out. So it was weird though. I've never done anything like that before with casting right it's not the same as saying you we need a story about apple's latest thing you write it you're a good writer it's more like i need a guy who can play a french painter who is that i think andy and i could could do that voice let's have andy i've never heard andy do a fake french accent i think but it's like let's do that and it was good so So did uh this is a question from one of our listeners um c franco too he asked on twitter if you know if anybody needed to practice extra long for their part <laughs> you know we're not actors right yeah. <laughs> this is the funny thing is we're not actors i think serenity is is the the person we've got who's who's got some acting background and the rest of us are are, are definitely not and uh i'm sure people practiced um that said, there was also there were some parts that people got on the spur of the moment. Steve Lutz didn't know he was going to be the announcer for the fog because I had a couple other people also record that until like a minute before we started, and he he killed it. He it was great. Um, we had some um, parts where we. What we did was we we ran through it once on Skype. We had a Skype call with like 12 people on it and everybody recorded their end wow. and then I pieced it together. Um, we ran through it once and then we went back through and Serenity basically would stop people and say, no, say it this way, say it this way, say it this way. And there were a couple parts where people, you know, where that went on for a while, where where it was a challenge to get the the line readings right. And then the others, it was especially with fake accents and things that yeah. makes it really difficult for non-actors doing funny accents. And at one point we have Glenn Fleischman, who's not an actor, uh, doing a, uh, Croatian accent, uh, speaking French, which is just unfair. <laughs> it's, this is just wrong. So that, that took some work, yeah. but, um, you know, that was the, uh, I assume everybody did a read through on their own. And I know Dan Morin and Serenity, uh, did a read through on their own of some of the stuff before we started. Um, and then we, we worked it through. It was not exactly, you know, a fully professional production, but we, we did our best. And, and, uh, and, and I think it, by and large, everybody did a great job and we, the stuff that didn't work right, we went back and re-recorded later. How long was the call? So I have I, I edit uh, my podcast on Logic, and um, I have a Logic file called Master File that's six hours long. <gasps> it was actually two three-hour calls. Oh my word! And um, everyone was on both of them. Well, no, everyone was on the first one, and then only the people who were in we wow. we we after three hours, our voices were shot, and we were all exhausted, and it was like one in the morning in on the East Coast, so. Uh, we gave up and then came back the following Wednesday. That was a Saturday night. And the following Wednesday, um, so a week ago Saturday, a week before it got posted basically, um, uh, we went back on the Wednesday night with a smaller group, slightly smaller group, and recorded um, the last play, which was The Fog, I think, um, and did a few pickups. 
but all told, it's it's almost six hours. It might be five hours of of stuff in that master file, and then everything else came out of there. So it took it was a lot. That was a lot of recording time. And my my I have a MacBook Air with an SSD. It almost filled up the entire hard drive uh, doing this project. It's like a seventeen gigabyte yeah. uh, project folder. It's good to do it on SSD though, right? For the speed. Well, with I, there's no way I could have done you know that 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 file is not only six hours long, but it's like a twelve different simultaneous audio tracks in it. So there's no way it would work without SSD. Yeah, you would be it just yeah it just wouldn't. You no, just no, no. Something like GarageBand or something on a on a, a spinning hard drive would be like sorry, can't do it. Can't too many too many tracks. But um, amazingly, the MacBook Air had no trouble. That is awesome. So you mentioned the editing, right? How how many hours did it take, Jason? To, in, in all honesty, like how many hours did it take you to get this done? Um, you know, all told, I, I calculated it out. I think I think all told, the editing probably took twenty or thirty hours. Um, I, I was doing it essentially with every spare moment. Uh, for that, we were started on a Saturday. I started piecing together. Uh, some of the stuff on a Sunday on my, on my commute to and from work on Monday. And then when I got home on Monday, I mean, it was like that. And then, um, you know, I was sick one day and I ended up sitting on the couch and doing nothing but editing and, and, um, and sleeping (laughs) one day in there. And so, yeah, I would say it was probably 20 or 30 hours. It was a lot, although it turns out piecing together the, the, the dialogue was really easy. Uh, well, really easy. It was, it was doable, um, time intensive, but doable, the big problem is with a radio drama, it's not a podcast. A podcast, you just have people talking like you and me. Um, with a radio drama, you've got to have music. Yes. You've got to have effects. You, like, you've got to have effects on the voices. If they're in an echoey room, there needs to be an echo. You've got to have people, you know, sounds of people walking and gunshots and all of this sort of thing. And that is, is that's crazy. That, and you could do it forever. You could literally do that forever and tweak it and add it and add in little nuances that nobody would ever notice and that that took a lot of time plus we did the re-record so there was some you know there's some parts that had to get dropped entirely you know back in later where where someone else read the part and you had to put it in where uh, and remove the previous person or somebody had to re-record their part We, we discovered um fairly late on that two of Ren's voices were just too close together so she re-recorded one of her parts and sent it to me in a file and i had to put that in and just swap out the old performance, and that was kind of crazy. That you know, that's a, that's an hour or two gone yeah. right there. Surely it's not as easy as you're dropping it in, right? Because it's not going to be the exact same times. Oh yeah, so you have to slide everything around, around, and yeah, yeah, yeah sure, <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course. Um, I've you you posted a tweet, a picture on Twitter, um, right? Of, yesterday of, or the day of a logic uh, logic. I had to do that on my my uh, screen at work, which is a big uh, Thunderbolt display because my little macbook 11 inch macbook air screen couldn't even show you part of it and that's one part of one project zoomed way out uh and it's there's a lot in there (laughs) there's Um, and 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 below the scenes there's also a lot of automation and stuff going on in logic to fade things in and out and yeah crazy and add effects so people can see it because it's uh it is incredible and that's where you see i mean you can clearly see where the talking tracks are and you can see what are the sound effects you know just by the size of the blue bars as it were Right. Well, and their background. I mean, that, that's the thing. I, you know, I've never done anything like this. There are there are people out there who have done this sort of thing before. Who are like, yeah, that's that's how it is. That's how it works, buddy. And I'm sure that's how it works in professional TV production for the audio editors too. But for me, it was quite a discovery to realize like I need to put I need to put ambient noise on every track. You can't. 
you know, people aren't standing in a void. Like even if they're standing in an empty room, um, you want to put basically like room tone, like hiss behind it because first off, it ties together all those individual audio tracks and makes them sound like they're all in the same place. Um, it's like having a, a couple of images in Photoshop and then putting a background behind them and then suddenly they look like they're in the same world because they're sharing a background. It's like that. So even if it's just an empty room, you want some room hiss. And that means for every single um, every single scene, you need a background t- tone and you don't want it to be the same background tone as the other scenes because those are other places. And fortunately, um, I have... I have Final Cut Pro and I have iLife and Apple has a whole catalog in, in both of those apps, uh, a whole collection of uh, of background sounds and oh. Foley sounds and stuff like that. And then there's also a website called freesound.org that David Lore turned me on to where there's a lot of creative, creative commons sounds. Um, and I use some of those and a lot of the Apple stuff. And then Serenity and Dan recorded some of their own Foley stuff in uh, in Ren's basement. And some of that's in there, too. So like you know, not- I need I need somebody taking a watch off. What is? <laughs> and they they got a, a watch or something. I don't even know what it is, but it sounds like somebody taking a metal watch band off. That must have been an incredible amount of fun for them to do. <laughs> I I like to picture them. Actually, it was funny because um, every single one of the sound files they sent me was preceded by Ren telling me what the sound was going to be, and there was like this increasing glee as it went along. It's like, all right, this is this thing, and it's going to sound like this, and then there'd be silence and rumbling, and then you'd hear a click click click. It's like, all right, I'll, I'll use that if I can. But that's just – it's so weird so weird to think about that. That um, it's, I think a lot of things we see in movies and, t- and TV aren't natural sounds either. They're added yeah. later by a sound editor. But you kind of assume it's the illusion of seeing the person. If somebody steps and you hear a footstep, you think, oh, well, that's their footstep, even if it's not. On a radio thing, it, you know, it's like everything you hear is made made up by somebody. There was no filming that happened. Every single walk, every single – you know, cocking of a of a gun and firing of a gun and all that had to be laid in there. It's crazy. I, I you know, I have such an appreciation for the people who do that sort of thing, like the big finish people with those audio plays. I cannot even imagine how much work goes into um, building up those audio, those soundscapes and, and those sound effects because it's not just the voices. I'm, you know, coming into it, I was very focused on the voices and now I'm really aware of how important it is that you hear footsteps and know, oh, he's pacing. Uh, instead of just having it be dead air and a voice that's kind of you can't picture what he's doing because he's just a voice. I guess you kind of just have to rely on the cliched versions of those types of sound effects, right? So you people know what they are, right? Right, right. Uh, and sometimes you can get uh, things that sound like other things um, because there's this kind of memory effect of like, oh yes, I know, you know, I know what that must mean. But yeah, sometimes you're really relying on shortcuts because people are painting that picture in their mind and they don't necessarily need our naturalistic sound. They just need a cue that's like, oh, yeah, they're, he's walking away. Exactly. Um, I loved the uh, the addition of the spoiler horn and the TARDIS. <laughs> and uh, what? And the TARDIS, too. Oh, the TARDIS. Well, that was a good joke. That was David's yeah. joke, and that's a great joke because the last uh, – uh, well, next to last story is is the – the Two-Fisted Tales of Nikola Tesla, which is a Doctor Who pastiche. And uh, they go to the Tesla later, which is their time machine, and it starts out sounding like the TARDIS. And um, and then there's a funny joke because um, his companion says, is it supposed to sound like that? And he says, no, and he hits it, and then it doesn't sound like the TARDIS anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and the spoiler horn, that was, again, David, he thought the fog would have a fog horn and that the spoiler horn would do. And that is a 
That is a stock iLife sound effect called Fairy Foghorn. And on The Incomparable, we use that to warn people off when we're going to be talking about spoilers. And it's like five seconds long. And the <laughs> yeah. more you hear it, the longer it sounds. It, <laughs> and it gets increasingly hilarious, to me anyway, as it goes, that it just keeps going. And we play it like eight times in that bit. So it just is endless. And I think it's funny. I, I hope other people think it's funny, too. I just I laugh every time I hear the spoiler horn now. <laughs> it is. It is very amusing. I, I agree with it sounding longer. Like when I hear it on The Incomparable, it always feels to me there's like a part of me like, is Jason making this longer? <laughs> Why is it so long? <laughs> it's it's only uh, yes. It, it it like bends time and space around it. That sound effect. It just goes and goes and goes. And you embraced the AAC, the enhanced AAC chapter support stuff. You've got a separate version, haven't you, for yeah. download on the page? Yeah, I, I I used to do that for every episode of The Incomparable, and it's you know it's a lot of extra work. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only way that I found that really you can do is. To take an take an uncompressed audio file and drag it into GarageBand and make the points in there and then export it back out and it's a lot of steps. But for this, I thought with the different chapters and I had a little time left over on Sunday before we posted it live. So why not do then more? I, then I made it <laughs> just to add a, add a little extra work to it. I thought I, I should do that if I'm gonna if I'm gonna go all this way, then it would be nice to do an enhanced version if people want to have chapter breaks and things like that. So. So I threw it in there. I mean, it, it doesn't take that much time. But if you're trying the week in, week out, I'm trying to minimize how much time I spend on it because it's, it's a big chunk of time out of my life to do the podcast. And, and it is a side project. And I do want to do stuff with my family. And I do have work to do. So I try to minimize it. And, and the enhanced podcast went by the wayside. But uh, for this special project, I had already wasted so much time. Why not waste a little bit longer? Yeah. It, it, proportionately, the, the enhanced podcast this time was fine. You know, it was like yeah. maybe another 40 minutes out of the yeah. 2,000 hours yeah. that you'd spent on the thing. <laughs> a fraction of time. It's 1% of the project. It's, it's fine. It's nothing. So all you need to do now is put 20 hours into each episode of The Incomparable each week. And, oh, my God. And the Enhanced well, Podcast that, can come back. Uh, you know this better than anyone as a podcaster. You, you could edit a podcast forever. Yeah. You, you, any podcast. And I, I was talking to Glenn Fleischman about this for his his podcast, um, the the New Disruptors, that – you know he he edits that and he's trying to edit out every um and yeah. uh and I know like uh, some of the other podcasts you you look nice today I think does that and you could create uh, a almost perfect podcast by removing every pause and every um and everything like that it, the problem is it's the ninety twenty rule or ninety twenty rules one hundred and ten eighty twenty rule yes that's it we'll call it that it's the the fact that. That it gets good enough, and then you you would you know, in one hour or two hours it get it's good enough, and then you could spend another fifteen hours and it will be slightly better than good enough. And um, I appreciate perfectionists, and I I have that streak in many things in my life. But for a side project podcast that I love, I want to invest the time in the conversations and the planning and making sure that the you know we don't interrupt each other when we're talking i'm a lot less concerned about ums and uhs and i I, so i just don't i just don't bother doing that and uh and keeping the keeping the time down for this not so much but but for uh for regular podcasts i I, you know i now that i'm in logic especially i i can get that a regular incomparable done in very very short amount of time like like a couple of hours so yeah, I I think I remember jumping in a conversation between you and Glenn and calling him crazy 
for <laughs> feeling the need to do that. That's I just, right. I just think it's not important personally. I think that people expect to hear those things unless it's like every second word of something. Sure. You know? If you've got somebody who is, who is a, a real problem, then it can be an issue. I do think it's how people speak and that it's okay. And, and they're giving themselves a pause to think and you're at the same time, they're giving the listener a pause to think and process and our brains process that stuff anyway and edit that stuff out. I don't think it's that big a deal. Um, and it's a better use of your time to, pull out, uh, like I said, interruptions or, or tangents or, uh, other or things that are incorrect. I mean, th- all that stuff, I will put in a lot of work to get out of a podcast. I just, you got to draw the line somewhere. There's that, I forget who said it, but it's that famous line that no, um, art is finished, only abandoned. And it's true. At some point you just have to say, I'm happy enough with this and, and any amount of energy I put into it here is not going to be paid back with results and walk away. And, and so personally, that's where I've drawn the line is I'm not going to edit people's, you know, people's worded wording and, uh, their ums and uhs and things like that, unless it leads to confusion about what they're saying, or it's uh, leads to a mistake or something like that. Otherwise it's just not worth it. I want to take a quick break, but um, I still have some questions, some some further questions that I would like to ask you. Very well. I stand ready to answer them later. Excellent. So uh, I just want to thank Squarespace.com for sponsoring this episode and supporting uh, Command Space. They give you everything you need to make an amazing website. Squarespace is a fully hosted, completely managed environment for creating and maintaining a beautiful website, blog, or portfolio. It doesn't matter how experienced you are with building websites, you can put something online in minutes with Squarespace. You don't have to worry about hosting, scaling, or integrating with social services like Twitter and Facebook, because they take care of all of that for you. They provide you with beautiful, clean templates that feature responsive web design. They have a page builder called Layout Engine, which is a drag-and-drop system which allows you to create custom layouts for pages in seconds. They have uh, fantastic statistics that are real-time. Their analytics are also built in to their iOS and Android apps as well, which you can also post to your site on the go. They have 24-7 customer support, a great blog importer, free custom domain names if you sign up for one of their annual plans. And recently, Squarespace added their commerce platform, which is a system which will allow you to sell physical or digital goods through any Squarespace site. It integrates with any existing template, so any new or existing site can add Squarespace Commerce. They accept payments through Stripe. They partner with Stripe. and They have great tools like inventory management, order processing. You can create customized emails. You can host digital files and offer download links, and they can have expiry dates and times on the links. It's very, very, very cool, very involved, and you can you know, basically get everything you need to set up a store online as well. There's no credit card required to try out Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com forward slash 70 decibels and you can sign up for a free trial and find out more. Squarespace plans start at $10 a month and use the code 70 decibels for at the pricing screen. You'll see a little button that will allow you to enter um, a code. So use 70-D-E-C-I-B-E-L-S and the number 4 and you'll get 10% off your first order. So go check out Squarespace, everything you need to make an amazing website. So do you have a favorite section? Jackson? Favorite section of the, of the... Oh, wow. Um, Would it help if I, I told you mine, maybe? I, I, I Sure, I'd love to hear yours. So my favorite of all of the, the sections was the fog. 
I loved the fog. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I was I was quite literally laughing out loud. During. So what did you like about it? What what uh, what? I'm I'm curious because I haven't had a chance other than sort of tweets. I haven't I haven't gotten a lot of uh, of of detail. I'm curious what what made you like it. What's the stuff in it that you liked? The sound effects were excellent in it. Um, I loved the spoiler horn. Well, yeah. its way through. <laughs> yes, um, and <laughs> I. I just thought that the dialogue was was brilliant and I loved how like on the nose everything was. So like you know the the cuz it's Glenn who's the, ends up being the villain of the, the villain piece. yes. And just just little bits there were just little bits that he was saying and there was and there was one line in particular and I can't remember what the what was the name of the object called. Oh it's the uh, it's the Horus it's so, a Horus glass sculpture of the of the Egyptian god yeah. Horus people uh, people in gla- with glass Horuses shouldn't throw stones Yes yeah well that's 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 an example of writing the entire plot so you can make a terrible joke at the end because he throws a bunch of men here's at uh, at uh, the fog and then accidentally shatters his Horus sculpture <laughs> that was, um, that was also there's Horus uh, became during the recording became a, a, a punchline for us. We just kept laughing. We were talking about how somebody needs to start a Horace eBooks Twitter account, and that um, Hor- Horace. Yeah, we went down a whole strange path with the word Horace, and 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 it still makes me laugh when I hear like uh, Serenity has a line in there where where she says, "Are you looking for the missing Horace?" <laughs> like really okay is it a horse is it are there are there whores i don't know it's I, like I, I what could it be of, uh, horace um, dead you of a simco <laughs> it could be horace dead you that could be um he's missing he was stolen right off stage so um uh yeah and it's the, obviously the shadow is a reference there and and uh and uh batman a little bit yeah there was a billionaire playboy kind mm-hmm. of thing and uh, the, the shadow always had that. The shadow's catchphrase was the, the weed of of crime bears bitter fruit. And so several times the, the fog says something similar and it doesn't make any sense. And everybody says, what does that even mean? And he says, I don't know. I just say it, which that is also, that, that level of kind of modern meta commentary on top of the script. That's kind of fun. There was something in the setup of the piece as well, like the secret identity type thing. It's like, you know, I'm on the board and I don't even really care. Like that sort right. of stuff. I just enjoyed all of that because I could see like the Batman oh, influence yeah. in it all, yeah. which I liked. He's a just a, a ne'er-do-well uh, millionaire. And uh, it turns out he is actually fighting crime as the fog uh, with lots of puns. And that's the that's the wackiest of them. Because, in fact, at one point, Glenn says, oh, the fog, I knew you'd roll in. Oh, terrible. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Terrible. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, no, the fog, the fog was, was a lot of fun. And I, I, that was the last one we recorded. So we were, we had, we had some energy for that one that, because we came back and recorded it later, but I also had less time to edit that one. Um, and it had the most stuff in it. It had a bunch of different settings and a bunch of different sound effects and, and gunfire and fighting. It's hard to do fight sound effects because, you know, you, you you put in some music maybe and you got fist sounds and body hitting sounds and grunting and stuff. And it's kind of hard to make that make sense because it's really just sort of like suffice to say they fight and then there's a winner. Uh, but you got to put in the, you know, hit, hit sounds and stuff. I don't know. I, I think my favorite might be uh, Two-Fisted Tales of Tesla only because I do love Doctor Who and I'm I'm amused by the the Doctor Who pastiche there that it's it's a – in some ways, um, a parody of the, the Vincent Van Gogh episode of uh, of uh, Doctor oh, Who, Vincent yes. and the Doctor. Um, but it's also got this 
strange. Like Jules Verne in a Zeppelin. I love Zeppelins. And Jules Verne is the villain, and he sounds like Belloc, the villain in Raiders of the Lost <laughs> Ark. Uh, and John Moltz uh, plays uh, Jules Verne in that. He's one of our guest stars. Oh. Uh, I like that one a lot too, but I like them all. It's hard for me to separate them. It was just a haze of video of audio editing, honestly. A couple of my other favorite parts was uh, were, were Andy's audio description of being beaten up in red herring, which was <laughs> perfect. That was perfect. Where he's like, "Oh, you're kicking me. You're punching me in the face." <laughs> I like that a lot. You've murdered me. <laughs> that, that's a that's sort of a, a, a riff on an old Bob and Ray comedy uh, comedy bit that uh, David in the script was sort of going in that direction. And Andy recognized the reference, and then he improvised oh, and extended that scene and oh, made it man. funnier. And then when we were listening, because every day I was generating a new version of the file and saying, well, "Tell me what you think. What are your comments?" And at, w- at one point, uh, several people said, "I think there, I, I think there needs to be some more gratuitous uh, kicking and, and punching of him and shooting of him." And then at the very end, after he dies, there should be one final kick. And I liked, I loved that. That actually makes it for me now. That that, uh, and now I'm dead. And then he gets kicked one last time. <laughs> and I also loved Syracuse's butler voice. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's something – we're going to post some outtakes. There's a, there's a funny outtake where, where John asks, um, how do I pronounce this? Because it, however Malord was spelled in the script, he's like, it's Malord. And he's like, all right. And then he's a butler. Oh, I had to cast John Syracuse as something. So he's a butler in the Grantham Manor uh, Tea Biscuit sketch, the commercial that, with the Downton Abbey references in it. The ads were, were were excellent, and I've, what I loved most about the ads, though, was the products for the advertisements would find their way into the production. Well, that was obviously one of the yeah. one of the commentaries is that is that we talk about commercial encroachment into into. Um, uh, entertainment today with pro- product placement and things like that but in the early days of broadcasting product placement in the US and you know commercial broadcasting was was all product placement all the time in fact the the shows were vehicles for advertising so um in in what is it in in Timmy uh Timmy Preston Galaxy Scout the entire thing is just a vehicle to sell hot chocolate yeah and the first thing that they do when the episode starts is break for hot chocolate and have a commercial about hot chocolate. And then throughout the, the catchphrase is the name of the product, Jumpin' Jupiter, hot chocolate. Um, in Jenny Lane, there's tea making at yeah. several points and yeah. a comment at the end that I hope we can have some of those delicious tea biscuits, which is the sponsor. Um, yeah, that, I, I love that, that, that it's just shameless product placement. And we joked that, um, that if we do this again sometime, what we should do is get real sponsors and, and work them into the shows. Because I could see Timmy Preston, Galaxy Scout, being sucked into a void and emerge in the strange realm of Squarespace that or something like incredible. that, right? We could do that. That would be sure, amazing. Totally. That, that would be a lot of fun, <laughs> I think. Were you worried about how it was going to be received? Like being so head down in it. I mean, you know, I know of things that I've created. You get quite insecure about it. Um, or at least you can do, uh, you know, you, you may be you know, a more evolved human than me. One of, one of the great things about a side project like this is that, you know, in many ways, the incomparable, because it's not my job, it's something I do out of love and that my friends do with me out of love and it's fun and it's fun to do a project like this, is I don't feel like, I feel like I, I, I do it. I do it for me and the decisions I make or the decisions that I feel are the ones that I want. It's the show I want it to be. And it, you know, when I'm working at 
PC World and Mac World and Tech Hive, even when I'm working at IDG, the decisions I'm making are about serving an audience and meeting business goals and finding a good demographic and stuff like that, which is that's how the world works. That's how business works. You want to find a good audience. You want to create good stuff. And we, I think we do that. But you know, in, in the end, it's not about pleasing myself and writing the articles that I would like to see. It's about trying to figure out what are the right articles for our audience to see. And so the incomparable, I, I just, I don't, I don't do that. I, I listen to feedback and I like to hear it and it does affect what I'm doing. But like, I've gotten feedback from some people who say, I don't read comic books. I don't want you to talk about comic books. And my response is, um, I want to talk about comic books. So I'm going to, I'm going to not do it every week, but I'm going to, every fifth one is going to be about comic books. And I, I kind of don't care if those episodes don't get listened to as much Yeah. because I, I want it, I, I want it to be welcoming i don't want it to be obscure i would like to keep it all you know things that you can buy and read without having knowledge of a hundred other issues of a comic i i i always want to be accessible but i'm not going to not do something because some people you know don't want to do it if i it's something i like and so for a project like this i don't have a lot of fear going into it because really what's the worst that could happen is people won't like it and the Presumably, since we don't do it every week, they'll just come back the next week and and forget it ever happened. Um, you know, likewise, if they do like it, what we'll get is people saying, "Yeah, I like it," and then we'll move on, and next week we'll still go on as if it never happened. So, um, you know, so the risk is a lot less, and and that's that's actually great because it lets you it lets you play and do crazy stuff and not worry about the risk. We could do a game show episode and a radio drama episode and other stuff like that, and not really worry about. You know, we don't even have sponsors at this point. I'd like to at some point, but we, that hasn't been a priority because the, the priority has not been to make money. It's just been to have fun. And boy, it's freeing when that's the priority, let me tell you. So I'm glad people like it because we've worked hard on it and we love it and, and, and uh, we want people to like it. But, um, you know, I just never felt that there's any, there's any real jeopardy because, you know, people will like it or they won't. And it's not going to destroy our reputations if it's, you know, if it's not well received. It's a nice way to look at things. I have one last question for you. All right. Will you ever do this again? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's, it's so, it's, it's, we're recording this on April 3rd. It's, it's so soon to ask that question. (laughs) I'll, I'll answer it this way. Um, I love doing off-format things. We will do more of those throughout the year as we, we do. I've already got two or three things on the schedule. We're actually recording something for The Incomparable on, on Saturday that is completely unlike anything we've ever done on the show before. Um, so we'll keep doing wacky stuff like that. Um, and I'm sure there will be another April Fool's project from us. Um, you know, whether we'll go to this well again, uh, maybe. Uh, it may not be next year on April 1st. Maybe we'll do it some other time. I think David Lohr had a great time doing it and would do it again. I think all of the people who participated had a great time. I had a great time doing it, uh, you know, planning it out so that I have the time to spend. Uh, my wife doesn't mind if I do a crazy project for a week. I think she'd mind if I did that every week. Yeah, but, you know, one one or two weeks a year, it's not a, a, a big deal. And, yeah, so we've talked about what what we might do from here and if we might go to do radio dramas or do some other something similar than that. I mean, the great thing about the podcast format is it, you know, lots of podcasts sound exactly the same, but they don't have to at the end. It is a canvas of an audio canvas and it could be anything. And that was the fun thing about doing a a radio play is that, you know, just because we're used to podcasts sounding one way in the end, all it is is an audio file. You can put anything in there. And so we put something really different in there, different for podcasts, but not different from the history of, of the medium. 
so of of radio and of audio. So uh, so yeah, my roundabout way of saying sure, I, I'm sure we'll do something like this again. I'm not sure whether we'll do more Finley Quality Network fake radio dramas, but I would love to do. Um, more stuff like this that's weird and creative and um and and if fiction is in the mix you know the stuff that's actually written and performed that would be a lot of fun too that was a that was a kick to have everybody even you know pushing us who are those of us who are not actors at all not trained to do any of that to to try and get out of our comfort zone a little bit i think that's healthy to do that and fun awesome well mr snell thank you for giving us this episode and thank you for joining me today um, as I said, people can go to, or as you said, people can go to 5x5.tv forward slash incomparable forward slash 133, but there'll be a link in our show notes as well so people can go and find the episode. Um, where can people find you online, sir? I am on Twitter and app.net at jsnell. I'm jsnell almost everywhere. You can, uh, you can of course, read macworld.com, pcworld.com, and techhive.com, which is my, my uh, paid job. I'm not paid to edit radio plays. Um, so you visit, the, visit those sites. And, uh, and Twitter, uh, The Incomparable is on Twitter, at The Incomparable, and you can follow that for information about what we're what we're doing next. And I have to say, um, thank you so much for offering for, to talk about this with me. I am flattered that you liked it so much that you wanted to talk about it. That's, uh, that's, that's, I, I'm incredibly flattered by that. And, and I think everybody who is involved is as well. It's, we're really grateful that, that people like you liked it because we didn't know what the response would be. And we thought, let's just try it and see what happens. So it's very flattering that, that you liked it enough to want to talk about it for another hour. <laughs> yeah, well, I wanted to. And thank you for being here. Um, you can uh, find me on Twitter and app.net and all those places. I am iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. I've also just taken over the hosting duties of the news on 5x5. It's my first show on the 5x5 network before we bring everything over. The news is a daily uh, roundup of what ha- what is happening in technology, Apple gaming, web and geek culture. Um, it's about five to ten minutes every day. I would love it if you would listen. So please go and check it out at 5x5.tv forward slash news. Next week, we're going to be joined by my good buddy, Mr. Brett Kelly, who is the writer of Evernote Essentials, which is a very popular book about Evernote. We're going to talk to him about that and about Evernote in general. He also works at Evernote too. So that should be an interesting discussion. Um, Thank you again to Jason and thank you all for listening um, to this week's episode of Command Space. Until next time, bye-bye.